But this morning, I want to speak on a subject I have found. When people think in terms of spiritual things, it's often one of the questions that comes to their mind. And I would like to ask and answer the question, why does anyone need religion when you already have so many other problems? Why does anyone need religion when you already have so many other problems? And if you have your Bible, I would like you to take it and turn with me to three most exciting sentences anywhere in the Bible. They're found in the second portion of the Bible, a part called the New Testament. Our first book, that book called Matthew, chapter 11, I like to start reading at the 28th verse. Matthew chapter 11, I like to start reading at verse 28. If you don't have a Bible with you, may I encourage you to look on someone sitting near you. If you have two Bibles, like a husband and wife, for example, may I encourage you to look around. You see someone without a Bible. Be so kind to take one of yours and share with them. By what you leave knowing where God said first, what I'm only going to repeat. So when you have a Bible in front of you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. I like to start reading at the 28th verse. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28. Come to me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Every single one of us have them. Now, some of us have more than others. And some of us feel like every time they come, they come in a giant-sized package. But every single one of us have them. Now, the simple thing I'm returning to is that serious thing called problems. In fact, some of us feel so overwhelmed with our problems that pulling in the driveway at night is no easier than backing out in the morning. Crawling underneath the car is no easier than crawling out. In fact, some people feel so overwhelmed by their problems that everything they see, everything they hear, makes them hit the panic button. I love the story of the man that came to work one morning, and as soon as everybody saw him, they knew he was on the verge of a cardiac arrest. And they said, what in the world are you so panic-stricken about? And they said, well, and he said, well, a number of years ago, I went home one night, and my wife was whistling a tune entitled, Tea for Two. And shortly thereafter, we had twins. And a few years later, I went home one night, and she was watching this program on television entitled, The Three Musketeers. And shortly thereafter, we had triplets. And they said, but what are you so panic-stricken about today? And he said, well, last night I went home, and she was reading this book entitled, Birth of a Nation. <laughs> and some of us are so filled with all our problems that the least thing that happens makes us hit the panic button. But if you were to ask the average person, what is your biggest problem? They would tell you they're having problems one of all of four different areas. There's, first of all, a problem with the family, problem with the children, problem with the parents, problem with the marriage, problem with the in-law, problem with the outlaws. In fact, some of us have so many problems in the area of our family. We feel like they've been there from day one. I love the story of the husband and wife. They're on their way to their honeymoon. And he said to her, honey, now since we are married, I hope you don't mind if I point out a few defects I have noticed about you. She said, not at all. It was those same defects that kept me from getting a better husband. <laughs> and even though we've been to all kinds of seminars, read all kinds of books, and talked to all kinds of people, the problems still seem to be there. 
there are husbands and wives sitting here today that could identify with a husband and wife that are walking out of the office of the marriage counselor. And she looked at me and she said, now since we have learned how to communicate, back off. <laughs> but a second place where people would tell you having problems is in the area of finances. Now the way you spell that is M-O-N-E-Y, money. A man one time made the comment, when I was young, I used to think that money was the most important thing in life. Now that I'm older, I know it is. <laughs> it's interesting to me that Lenny Crosby, the youngest son of Bing Crosby by his first marriage, committed suicide in an apartment in California at the age of 51. And the apparent reason was he had just been out. His mother's inheritance would no longer be coming to him. And a person who knew the situation well made the comment, he just could not face the future without money. But a third place where people tell you having problems is in the area of job. Don't like the work, don't like the workers. Can't stand the business, can't stand the boss. In fact, a survey revealed some time ago in many communities throughout the world, 50% of all people are very dissatisfied with their jobs. One time a first grade school teacher saw a first grader crying to no end, and she walked up to him, tenderly wiped the tear from his eyes, knelt down in front of him and said, what's wrong, honey? And he said, I don't like this place. I got to stay here till I'm 18. And she started to cry. <laughs> and he said, what's wrong with you? She said, I don't like it either. I got to stay till I'm 65. <laughs> but a fourth area of people tell you having problems is in the area of personal circumstances. By that I mean, there are temptations they have not been able to avoid. Habits they have not been able to quit. Ones that are wrecking their lives, destroying their marriages, and making them feel absolutely worthless. It's interesting to me that in Leningrad, Russia, there's a statue of Ivan the Terrible with his arm pointed up, urging his country forward. And he was known as the czar of all czars. But he was so given to fits of anger that one time in one of those outbursts, he killed his own son. And when he came to the end of his life, he said, I've conquered all kinds of empires, but I've never learned how to conquer myself. And for that reason, there are those who say, please, don't bother me with religion, because I have all the problems I need. Because when they think of Jesus Christ, they think of religion. And they have two basic reactions. On the one hand, it feels absolutely boring because you go to a dead church to see sad people, listen to a boring preacher talk about a pitiful subject. In fact, some time ago, a pastor called a woman who had not been to church for some time. He said, where have you been? She said, well, you know how it is. The kids have been sick. And then it just rained, 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 rained. And he said, well, you ought to come to church. It's always dry there. She said, yes, in fact, that's another reason I've not been coming. <laughs> it's just so dry there. Some time ago, I went out in Amsterdam with the Netherlands with some teenagers. And we asked people the question, when you think of church, what do you think of? The four biggest reactions were God, Jesus, buildings, and boring. But the second reaction people have is, it's absolutely frustrating. Because most of us work on the basis that in order to get to heaven, you got to be good. 
So you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Just might not get to heaven if you do. And what is so frustrating, we feel like it doesn't matter how good you've been, you'll probably never be good enough. Some time ago, a major newspaper told about a woman who was a bus driver who was received a safe driving award for outstanding years of safety as a bus driver. When her colleagues found out about it, they were so excited, they asked her if she would drive them the award ceremony. On the way to the award ceremony, probably out of excitement, she turned the corner too sharp, the bus overturned, and 16 people had to be treated for minor injuries. When the award ceremony found out about it, they canceled her award. And we feel that's what's so frustrating. It doesn't matter how good you've been, you'll probably never be good enough. And for that reason, there are those who say, please, don't bother me with religion. I have all the problems I need. Some time ago, worldwide personality Ted Turner stood up in an audience and he said, the further I got from religion, the better off I was. And the whole place broke up in applause. Well, this morning, I have something exciting to tell you. It's a promise Christ made to people who were just as frustrated as some of us might be. And that promise could be reduced to 12 words, and that is, if you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. Look at what he said there in verse 28. Come to me, all you labor and have laden, and I will give you rest. Now, the only thing I regret is that you cannot hear him say, come to me, instead of hearing me say it. So you would know how much love there is behind those words. Because some of us have had more people tell us to leave than have ever had tell us to come. In fact, some time ago, I was in a fast food restaurant. A man walked in rather poorly dressed, needed a light for a cigarette. Seeing a woman with a cigarette lighter, he walked over to her and said, may I have a light? She lit his cigarette, and then she said, now get out of here. Husbands have told wives to leave. Wives have told husbands to leave. Parents have told children to leave. Children have told parents to leave. But Christ says, come to me. Look again at verse 28. Come to me, all you labor and have laden, and I will give you rest. Now, why does he say, all you labor and have laden? Because in this context, he is talking to people who are fed up with religion because of two groups of people known as the proud Pharisees and the sad Sadducees who had all kinds of regulations you follow be accepted by God. They said, you dare not talk to a woman in the street. Nope, not even your own wife. They said, if you throw a piece of fruit up in the air with your right hand and whilst in the air the Sabbath comes in, when it comes down, you better catch with the same hand you threw it up. Otherwise, you have worked and you have broken the Sabbath. Now, doesn't that sound like a fruity idea? They said on certain days, you couldn't hit your donkey with a whip. And I promise you, had you been living in that day, you would not have felt like hitting a donkey with a whip. You felt like hitting a Pharisee with a donkey. <laughs> and they had all kinds of vacation to follow be accepted by God. But you're saying, but Larry, that's exactly how I feel. All it is is a bunch of regulations, a list of do's and don'ts. The way we expressed it when I was a teenager was, you cannot drink, you cannot chew. You dare not go with the girls who do. 
on one hand, we feel you have to go to church. We can't figure out why you don't feel any different when you leave than when you come in. And furthermore, deep down in the pit of our stomach, we know, we know people would have a better life without going to church than many of those who go. We feel you have to keep the Ten Commandments. Our first problem is we don't have the foggiest idea what they are. In fact, one time some young people were asked, can anyone give me one of the Ten Commandments only contain four words? One boy stood up and said, yes, keep off the grass. <laughs> Christ is saying, whatever your frustration, whatever your disgust, come to me. Look again at verse 28. Come to me, all your labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, why does he say, and I will give you rest? Because there's something he wants everyone here to understand. And that is eternal life is free. You don't get to heaven by going to church, living good, being baptized, keep commandments, or take sacraments. You can live a better life you feel your neighbor lives, or a better life you feel the Pope lives. That will not get you to heaven. You can give God one-tenth of everything you make, or keep one-tenth, give the rest to him. That will not get you to heaven. You can go to church two Sundays a year, Christmas and Easter, or you can stay home two Sundays to go to the rest. That will not get you to heaven. Because all of us have sinned, and the punishment for that sin is death. What the Bible is saying is, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, came into the world. He took your sin and my sin, placed upon himself. He died in our place. He took our punishment. He was our substitute. And they punished him, or they should have punished us. And the third day, he rose again. One time in North Carolina, there was an 11-year-old boy got in big trouble in a lake. Two men saw him. They swam out to him, and they got in trouble. An expert swimmer saw it all happening, swam out to the two men, first of all, got them to shore. Then he went out to the 11-year-old boy and got him to shore. But just as he gave him that one last push that took him all the way to the shore, probably out of fatigue, and the small mouth curtain in the lake, he pushed, pulled underneath, and he died. But he saved those three by dying for them. He died in their place. What the Bible is saying is Jesus Christ came in the world. He took your sin and my sin, placed upon himself. He died in our place. He was our substitute. He took our punishment and rose again the third day. And that's why you can't get to heaven. By going to church, living good, being baptized. Because the price for your sin has already been paid. He paid it. When 2,000 years ago, he died in your place. You have to simply come to him as a sinner, recognize Christ died for you, and put your trust in him alone, nothing else, as your only way to heaven. And that's why Christ so simply said, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Some time ago, I spoke in Denver, Colorado. And a couple in the bookstore who knew how much I loved to read said to me, we want you to go into that bookstore, take out $75 worth of books, and they're yours free. When I went to that bookstore, all I could do was receive a gift. The price had already been paid. If you want to live forever, you got to receive it as a gift. 
because the price has already been paid. And that's why Christ says, come me, all your labor have laden, and I will give you rest. Because when you put your trust in Christ alone, as you're only with heaven, you know beyond any doubt you're going straight to heaven when you die. And that is the most relaxing life known to man. In fact, the word rest there actually means relief. You don't have to get up in the morning and say, where would I go if I died right now? You can pass a car accident. You don't have to say, what if that happened to me? You can read that one out of every four families is being struck with cancer. It does not have to nerve you. Because you know, beyond any doubt, when you die, you're going straight to heaven when you die. And that's the most relaxing life known to man. That is relief. And the interesting thing is, God, in kindness I do not deserve, allowed me to speak in almost every state, over 60 foreign locations. I've seen people going in and out of all kinds of temples. I have never heard any of them say, I know I'm going to heaven. Christ said, come to me, and I will give you rest. Because when you come to Christ, you find rest instead of religion. For the first time in your life, you're going straight to heaven when you die, and that's the most relaxing life known to man. That is relief. Capital R, capital E, capital L, capital I, capital E, capital F. That's relief. You say, but then, Larry, why go to church? Why live good? Why try to do what's right? Would you believe that's the next thing he addresses? Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and loading heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The word yoke referred to a wooden frame placed upon the shoulders that made a load easier to bear. And in this context, he referring to the instructions in how to live a life honoring the God. So the first thing he's inviting you to do is come to him. Receive completely free the gift of life eternal. And then he's inviting you to learn more about him. He says that. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And as you learn from him, he'll show you how to live a life of fulfillment instead of frustration. How to put in your life what should be there and take out what should not be there. And the exciting thing is, when you learn from Christ, you're learning from someone who's humble and lowly in heart. Look again at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In other words, he is humble, not haughty. Some time ago, I spoke in South Dakota. When they way back, the plane connected in Denver. And when it did, a movie star that all of you know got on the plane. As soon as he did, in a very haughty and high-minded way, he said, Hello, all you fellow Americans. I was so turned off by his arrogance that although I knew who he was, I felt like saying, hello, whoever you are. <laughs> Do you know how exciting it is to learn from someone like that? It's just about as exciting as taking your mother-in-law along on your honeymoon. <laughs> but when you learn from Christ, you're learning from someone who's humble and lowly in heart. And that's why verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Because first of all, all you're doing is respond to the one who gave you the free gift of life eternal. That's not hard to do. And secondly, 
the whole time he's showing you how to live, he's right in there helping you live it. And that's why verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When you do wrong, he's sympathetic and understanding. He's not like the policeman who saw a couple car parked in a no parking zone. And he noticed they had a just married son on the back. So he gave him two tickets. One marked his, the other marked hers. <laughs> You know, one of the biggest problems I had before I came to Christ, I mean, I'll just be transparent. I had one fierce temper. They never needed a stove around our house before I came to Christ. They just got me mad. I could cook anything. <laughs> one year I cooked a Thanksgiving turkey in 10 minutes. <laughs> but when I came to Christ, he taught me how to just well, take one day at a time and not get so ticked off if life did not go my way. And as even my own dear wife will tell you, that anger became a thing of the past. Some of us are so anxious, so worried. Worried about the children. Worried about your health. Worried about your finances. Worried about your family. You're like the woman who had a man say to her, will you marry me? She said, I don't marry anyone unless they make at least 40000 a year. How much did you make last year? He said, I made 10000 the whole year. She said, that's close enough. <laughs> But when you come to Christ, he showed you how to take all those anxieties, all those worries, and place them on his shoulders. And his shoulders are that big, and yours are this small. So he can handle anything that comes across your path. And what this paragraph is saying is, if you come to Christ, you're finding rest instead of religion. For the first time in your life, you're now beyond any doubt, you're going straight to heaven when you die. That's relief. That's the most relaxing life known to man. That is relief. And secondly, as you learn more about him, he in that humble and attractive way will show you how to take out of your life what should not be there and put in what should be there. And for that reason, he shows you how to live a life of fulfillment instead of frustration. Living for him becomes a relationship, not regulations. Life, not laws. Delight, not duty. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. For the first time in your life, you know you're going straight heaven when you die. That is relief. Most relaxing life known to man. Gone today, there tomorrow. No. Gone today, there today. Most relaxing life known to man. Then as you learn more about him, he in the humble way, We'll show you how to live a life of fulfillment and frustration. And living for me come delight, not duty. Privilege, not pain. If you come to Christ, you'll find what? Rest. Instead of what? Religion. There's a verse today that I'm sure is known here as much as known in many places. And that is, how do you find relief? The answer is, roll aids. Those fed up with religion, Christ says, how do you find relief? J-E-S-U-S-C-H-R-I-S-D. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. First time in your life, you know you're going straight heaven when you die. That's relief. Most relaxing life known to man. And secondly, as you learn more about him, he in that humble, lowly, attractive way, Showed you how to live a life for fulfillment instead of frustration. And that's why living for him becomes first class 
living. If you come to Christ, you will find rest instead of religion. Some years ago, it made news throughout the world. There's a woman driving home the expressway on the east coast of the US. And she looked through her rearview mirror and she saw one big truck right on her bumper. Recognizing that is too close, she sped up. Only of the truck speed right behind her, keeping right on her bumper. She sped up again, only of the truck speed right behind her, keeping right on her bumper. She sped up again, only of the truck speed right behind her, keeping right on her bumper. At this point, starting to panic, she headed for the nearest exit. Only as the truck driver get right off the exit with her, keeping right on her bumper. She headed for the nearest convenience store she could find. Only as the truck driver driving the convenience store with her, keeping right on her bumper. She jumped out of that car, and as fast as her legs would carry her, ran into that store. Only now the truck driver get out of his truck and as fast his leg would carry him, run to the back door of her car and pull from it a long, searched after rapist. What he could see from his elevated position that she could not was he would just hover down there waiting for a chance to make his attack. And she thought he was out to harm. He was only out to help. You may feel like religion has done you a lot of harm. And for all I know, it has. Religion has hurt a whole lot of people. But Jesus Christ is not out to harm. He's out to help. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. For the first time in your life, you know you're going straight heaven when you die. That is relief. The most relaxing life known to man. Then as you learn more about him, he in a humble way will show you how to live a life for fulfillment instead of frustration. If to come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. If you understand what I've just explained, you now know why. God, again, in kindness I do not deserve, had allowed me to speak in almost every state of the U.S. and were 60 foreign locations. I have met people by the thousands who have said to me, the one thing I regret in life, Larry, is I did not come to Christ sooner than I did. I have not met one person ever who said to me, I am sorry, I came to Christ. Now you know why. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. Let's bow our heads and even our hearts, so to speak, in prayer. This morning, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I want to ask every person here, most important question a friend could ever ask, I hope I can call myself your friend. If you died right now, not tonight, right now, do you know 
not think, but do you know beyond any shadow of any doubt, he goes straight to heaven. I'm sure there are those of us who could not say yes. Some of us might say, I'm not sure I've ever understood this before. I've gotten Christ confused with religion. You know what's exciting? I mean exciting. You could trust Christ right there right now, right there where you are. Jesus Christ could become your personal Savior. In a moment, I'm going to say a prayer, kind of prayer you can use. If right now you want to tell God you're trusting Christ. Now, saying this prayer does not save you. It's trusting Christ that saves. Prayer is only how you tell God what you're doing. But right now you want to trust Christ. This is how you can tell God that. Just in the quietness of your seat and the privacy of your heart. Dear God, I come to you now, and I admit I'm a sinner. Go ahead, tell God that. I admit I'm a sinner. Nothing I am or do makes me deserving of heaven. Tell God that. Nothing I am or do makes me deserving of heaven. But now I understand Jesus Christ died for me. Tell God that. I now understand Jesus Christ died for me. He took my place and punishment and rose again the third day. Tell God that. And right now, God, sitting in this seat, I place my trust in Christ as my only way to heaven. I trust you right now as my personal Savior. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. I just this moment received. Now, as heads bow, eyes are closed, may I say two things. First of all, if you sat there in the quietness of your seat and sincerely trusted Christ, the Bible says, not Larry, the Bible, God just gave you free the gift of eternal life. Everything you do from this moment on is a thank you there to God for what he just did for you. May I encourage you, live the rest of your life as a thank you letter to God. Walk with him and let him help you take out of your life what should not be there and what should be there. And secondly, don't be ashamed to tell anyone. I trusted Christ today as my personal Savior. When Christ died for you, he was not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed to tell anybody. I trusted Christ today as my personal Savior. Live the rest of your lives as a thank you to God. And don't be ashamed to anybody. I trusted Christ today as my personal Savior. He was not ashamed of you. I beg you, don't be ashamed of him. Our gracious Father, forgive us. Forgive us for time we've got to you confused with religion. Because religion could not be any worse. But you cannot be any better. Religion will only take you to church. But you that takes you to heaven. Lord, I pray for those who trust you as their personal savior today. They might not be ashamed to say so. And could the rest of their life be a thank you letter addressed to you. Lord, for those of us who have known you for some time. It's only the first month of 2016. 
Help us re-examine our priorities, what will be important for 100 years from now. Instead of living for all the things that 100 years from now won't even matter, help us live it for the people who do. Because everyone alive is going to live forever. The only question is where. And you've asked us to make the difference in people's lives. Help us be people who make a difference. For we ask in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.